Hey, what's going on, everyone? Uh, welcome to an episode of the Growing Knowledge Podcast. Um, I'm your host, Barker Cruz, and with me today, I have Mr. Matt Griffin, and um, well, I'm going to let him introduce himself. He'll probably give it more justice than I will. So, Matt, introduce yourself. Hey, well, it's um, a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm glad to see uh, um, you know, young people, especially from my old at the Faith Chapter, doing big things, so I uh, appreciate you having me having me here. Um uh, Matt Griffin, um, grew up here in Groveland, um, uh, was part of South Lake FFA, uh, went on to University of Florida, graduated from there, got a degree in uh, ag business, ag economics uh, uh, from the University of Florida, um, later went down, moved down South Florida, uh, started farming for a company down there called Littman Produce, did that for almost five years um, as an assistant farm manager with them, uh, growing. Well, Littman is one of the biggest tomato producers, but uh, the farm that I was on grew a variety of other crops. Uh, green beans, potatoes, um, tomatoes, mm-hmm. um, bell peppers, hot peppers, uh, and probably about 1,500 acres of uh, citrus as well. So it was a pretty, pretty good size operation. Um, so that was fun. And then I, I started my new job. Um, I switched careers, started working for a seed company probably about a year and a half ago. Um, United Genetics. They're based out of California, and I'm the East Coast um, sales and PD rep uh, for the East Coast United States. So I cover everything from South Florida to Maine to Indiana, covering a variety of uh, vegetable seed crops. And I mostly just do sales and a lot of trial work and stuff like that with them. All right, all right. Um, you kind of briefly touched about how. You went to South Lake and you were involved in FFA. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Like how FFA kind of played a part in your career now and how has it impacted you as a person? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it goes without saying, I mean, FFA, you know, we say it all the time as one of the premier leadership, uh, ag leadership organizations. Um, I mean, and that's definitely proven to be true uh, when it's come to helping me figure out what I wanted to do career wise. Um, you know, when I was at South Lake, uh, we have Mr. Odom and um, Mr. Locke there. I mean, both of them played a played a big role in you know in helping me figure out kind of what direction in agriculture um, I wanted to go go in. Um, that you know, coupled with you know, a lot of the CDE events and stuff that I participated in, um, really just kind of helped me. I don't know, build a passion for agriculture. Um, yeah, I had a little bit of that from home and stuff too, but I think FFA, just kind of the way they channel that energy, um, really helped me out over the years. Um, there's a lot of things that I've, I've learned in FFA that, you know, I didn't, you know, you might do an event, sometimes you're like, oh, when am I going to use this again? And, it, you know, it's funny to, you know, having been out of high school now 10 years to be able to look back over the last 10 years and say, oh man, I learned that, you know, from this event or I learned this from that person. Um, so FFA has definitely been a, a big help uh, with that, and I, I enjoyed my time. And yeah, sometimes you miss it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, just kind of to stick on the topic of FFA, what were some of your favorite events or favorite memories that you have from being in FFA? All right, uh, favorite events: uh, prepare public speaking, uh, livestock judging. And forestry judging were probably my big three. Those are those are the ones that I that I miss the most. Um, just some of my favorite memories, probably just you know just being at contest with everybody else. 
going to a convention, going to a national convention. Uh, we would do the road trip from Florida, you know, going up to, to nationals and stuff. Always had a blast doing that. Uh, there's some folks uh, that I'm really good friends with. We still joke around about, you know, pranks and stuff that we played on each other, going to a national convention and stuff. So, yeah, those are probably some of my, my favorite events uh, or favorite memories and stuff with FFA and definitely showing cows too. I forgot about that. Um, that's probably one of the things that I miss the most is um, you know, going to the fairs and stuff, uh, whether it's state fair or you know here locally, county fair, or just some of the other jackpot shows and stuff like that. Um, so moving past high school, after you graduated, did, did you kind of have an idea of what you wanted to do or did you kind of just... Figure, trying to figure out what you wanted to do. Yeah, you know, I I said that uh, I was just, just my main deal was I just wanted an ag business degree. wasn't really sure where I wanted to fall from there. Um, when I was in my first couple years in college, I interned with the USDA uh, Natural Resources Conservation Service. Um, had some really good internships with them had planned on going to work for them and then things didn't work out quite that way. I ended up going down south uh, working on the farm and stuff. So no, didn't really have any idea. Of, was just trying to figure it out as I went. And I mean, it's uh, it's worked out for me so far. So. Yeah. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about um, like what, you, what, what classes involved getting your degree and then um, like, how do you determine, like, that was the degree that was for you? Because your degree is in food and resource economics. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, what led you to, like, choose FRE over, like, let's say an ag communications degree? Yeah. Um, you know, for me, it was I wanted a business degree. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew that, I, you know, my passion for ag, so why not just combine the two? So it, it seemed like a pretty, uh, a pretty easy choice at the time. Um, to be able to do that. Uh, that and I also knew some other folks that had already gone through the FRE program and stuff. Um, you know, my old ag teacher being one of them. So I kind of had an idea of what, what that program would allow me to do um, and just some of the possibilities that it would, it would give me um, towards the end. But as far as knowing what career I wanted after college and stuff I was still a little bit iffy about that part but definitely knew okay I've got a passion for ag um, you know I want to be in agribusiness but uh, didn't necessarily know which avenue I wanted to take but I knew that this degree would, would help me with that alright um, so let's move forward you graduate from UF um, and then do you go straight to Littman's after you graduate? I did so uh, <laughs> I was actually a bum in Gainesville for about two months <laughs> until my job started. Uh, so yeah, I, I, as soon as I left, uh, as soon as I graduated, um, I went to work for them um, down in Naples or outside of Naples, uh, farming tomatoes and stuff with them, and stayed there for like I said for five years almost um, until I got offered this position that I'm currently in. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about like, what was your day-to-day -day like at Littman's and what were some of like, what was like the highlights of working there? Okay. Um, you know, I, I had an interview with some folks a couple years ago and uh, they asked me what was a typical day for me and I laughed because at the time I didn't know what a typical day was. Mm -hmm. um, you know, life on a farm, I mean, anybody can tell you this, uh, there are days when you think you're going to have it easy, and then it's like everything just takes a 180 on you. Um, 
you know, typically my day started first thing in the morning. Uh, we get together with my, my supervisor crews, um, try to figure out spray programs, uh, harvest schedules, um, any land prep type deals that we needed to do. Uh, you know, whether that was plastic laying or you know, fixing irrigation or whatever else uh, that entailed or soil amendments that need to be put out. Uh, so my morning started with my meetings with uh, my supervisors. Um, got them started and then just went about my, my day-to-day um, activities and stuff from there. Uh, when I was at Lippman, um, I was heavily involved in the irrigation program and stuff, so I spent a lot of time with that, um, a lot of time with the spray program. And, you know, the, the farm that I was on was some 6,000 acres, uh, probably three of that was in production. So it, it, a lot of times it would take me a good little bit to just to cover um, mm-hmm the whole farm and making sure all those parts and pieces and stuff um, were moving. So like I said, I was involved in just about every aspect um, of the farm. So it also depended on what time of the year it was. Um, Summertime, we weren't as busy. We were trying to get the farm cleaned up. So there was a lot of disking and mowing and just trying to tidy things up. You fast forward to November, December, I'm laying plastic, I'm planting, and I'm harvesting all at the same time. Um, and like I said, we covered a variety of crops. So, you know, certain times of the year, my harvest crew might be 50 people. Um, you fast forward to April, May, that number is going to be somewhere between 50 and 800 people on any given day. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. So, it's, uh, it was fun. It was enjoyable, um, you know, getting the... Uh, see how all of that seeing how all of the components went into producing food mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and I think sometimes uh, we take for granted just how much time and effort it takes uh, to to produce the, the food and fiber um, that we can just go and buy whatever mm-hmm. so we've talked about what you did at Lipman's and uh, what um what you kind of what they kind of do? How'd you like? How'd you actually get involved with Lipman's? Like, did they reach out to you, or is there someone that you met that kind of introduced them to you? Or yeah, so I actually when I was at the University of Florida, um, a group of students was invited to come down to the Florida Fruits and Vegetable Con a conference, um, well, Florida Fruits and Vegetable Association conference down in Naples. Um, it was part of this partnership uh, that they'd done uh, with the association that UF had done with the association and also um, another group and while we were there there was a panel discussion of you know farm managers and CEOs from these different ad companies and stuff so after the panel discussion uh, was talking with uh, with one of the CEOs and he's like you know I want to introduce you to uh, one of our other farm managers uh, so I met Mr. Jamie at that conference and me and him just stayed in touch and getting towards the end of my senior year they reached out and said hey you know we've got an internship opportunity uh, would you be interested in coming down and um, doing an internship with us and I, I kindly turned them down because I was like hey I'm getting ready to graduate I don't need, I don't need an internship I kind of need a full-time job whenever I get out of here uh, so they came back with a job offer and said um, you yeah, know would you be interested in coming down to work for us um, so I ended up going to visit one of their farms for their day and just shadowed some of the guys there 
and they afterwards were you know said hey if, if you enjoy this we'll we'll offer you a position here so and that's kind of how I got started with Litman um, just off of a whim just keeping in touch with people mm-hmm. and um, that'd probably be one of the things that you know I definitely encourage other people to do um, especially you know younger people that are com- either coming out of college that are in college or you know coming out of high school um, networking is is a huge deal um, in this business or any business so and it, it has definitely paid off for me so now that we've talked about Littman's let's transition more into what you do now um, okay. so how, how do how did that transition come about from Littman's to now where you work? Okay, so I work for United Genetics Seed Company now. Uh, like I said, I'm the East Coast Sales and PD rep for them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just mentioned uh, networking, um, and that's kind of how I ended up with this position that I'm in now. Uh, I knew some other guys that had just who were farmers who had made the transition over um, to being in the seed business and I knew some other guys that were just getting out of it so they actually recommended my name um, to United Genetics because they were looking for somebody else uh, to fill this position so that's kind of how I ended up with UG now um, just networking and you know some other folks were like hey we think this guy might be a good fit for you and most of the crops that I sell now, or at least the vegetable seed that I sell now, are also crops that I grew when I was at the farm. So it kind of helps me out, you know, when I go talk to other farmers and stuff now. I know, you have you know that background. I've yeah. got that background to be able to fall on. Um, not to mention, also, because I did work for Littman, uh, they're pretty recognized within the vegetable uh, industry. So when I say, hey, you know, I also worked for Littman for five years, people are like, oh, okay, all right, so this kid does know a little bit of what he's talking about. So kind of gives me a, a, a way in sometimes so um, but yeah I just uh, like I said just networked and this mm-hmm. opportunity came up he UG called me and asked me if I'd be interested in, in doing this so um, I, I liked what they had to offer so um, I made the transition um, so mostly mostly what I do right now is a lot of PD work a lot of trial work uh, our company you know, we uh, we will breed new varieties of crops. So, say it's bell peppers or watermelons or tomatoes. Um, so our breeders might breed you know fifty or a hundred new varieties of these crops. So, what I'll do is usually I'll look at those once they grow the plants out. Um, and we'll do yield data or whatever we need to. I'll look at those and say, well, of these hundred. I think these 20 look pretty good and will do good in my market. So they'll do good either in Florida and Georgia or North Carolina. So then I'll get seed of those varieties and I'll plant trials in Florida, Georgia, and North Carolina and I'll look at them, I'll evaluate them all again. Um, and I'll say, okay, well out of these 20, these five have been doing really good. Um, so I'll trial them again, just mm-hmm. maybe in larger scale trials than maybe acre trial or something like that. It's a big science experiment, basically. Yeah, basically. Um, so after I do those trials, I'll say, okay, well, of these five, now I've narrowed it down. These three bell peppers look really, really good, and they're working in all of my markets. They're working in South Florida. They're working in South Georgia. They're working in uh, the mountains of Georgia. They're working in North Carolina. So now I will then... Um, 
basically say, okay, of these, I've got enough information about these so then I can bring it to my boss and to whoever, you know, higher up and say, hey, these are the ones we need to go commercial with. Um, so once I do that, then that triggers um, those, those varieties going commercial. We'll start commercial production of those and then I'll start selling those hopefully within the next year or so. But that whole process of um, getting a getting a bell pepper or a watermelon or you know whatever tomato from that first cross to production I mean that window can be anywhere from you know two to five years sometimes so you kind of talked about how you do the trial and error of part of your job but do you also do kind of the traditional sales where you kind of go to farms or you go to big corporations and you try to sell them your seed or your um, your product yeah, so I do that. So that's the other part of my job too. So uh, since my company hadn't had um, any representation here on the East Coast, um, I've spent more time doing trial work, uh, just because we've been trying to break back into this market. Uh, but yeah, a big part of my job is also sales. But uh, I don't sell directly to the farmer. Um, I sell directly to other seed companies. So oh, okay. basically, my company is a supplier and I sell to other distributors. So Seedway, Seegers, Clifton Seed, uh, we sell directly to them. Now I try to also help them sell mm-hmm. uh, just because I want to help drive business as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll go to farms. I might, you know, if I know a farmer that's growing watermelons, I'll say, hey, you know, I've got this variety that's doing really good. I'll give you a thousand seed this year. You grow the plant out, you see how it does. If it does really good for you, you can buy the seed from whatever dealer you normally uh, buy from. So I still, I do sales and stuff, but most, a lot of my sales are, I know when they're going to come. So I know, you know, there's basically twice a year that I know the bulk of my sales are going to come from those other companies and stuff. But in the meantime, in that, um, in the meantime, I also try to, uh, push sales and stuff by introducing my product to other farmers and stuff as well, uh, and introducing new products to to those to those guys as well to other seed companies. Because I'll say, hey, we've got a new bell pepper, and they're like, well, I've never seen it before. You know, give me seed of it. Let's put out some trials of it and see how it does this season. And then if it does good, then we'll talk about uh, making purchases and stuff for next season. So it's a lot of back and forth. So you kind of talk about how. At United, they kind of play with new different, like different crops, and they try to make newer ones. Yep. Um, is that all out at the California branch, or like, um, is there like multiple branches all over the country, or? Yeah, yeah. So there's actually multiple branches of United Genetics all over the world. Oh, okay. Um, so there's UG Italy, UG Spain, um, UG Turkey. Um, our our company, we sell seed all over the world so uh, South and Central America uh, India Turkey Spain uh, Italy Jordan Africa um, all over uh, Japan uh, our parent company is actually a Japanese company they're one okay. of the, probably one of the biggest and most recognized mm-hmm. brands in Japan uh, as far as tomatoes go, they're a real big tomato mm-hmm. company there in Japan. So they've a lot of brand recognition and stuff there. So, but yeah, we breed. We breed. Um, you know, California. We breed a lot there uh, for crops, uh, but it's also hard sometimes to breed 
um, for certain markets unless you're in those particular yeah. areas. So, you know, there's there's two varieties of bell peppers that I sell quite a bit of here in Florida and Georgia. They do horrible in California. I mean, they look like complete garbage there. <laughs> so, you know, and, I, and if, so sometimes when I take customers, you know, or I'll see customers in California, I try not to even show them those varieties because mm-hmm. I don't want, you know, get any... Yeah. Uh, bad images or whatever so yeah it, it, it's funny how that how that works out uh, genetics of plants uh, will respond to different areas different growing areas different soil types uh, different climates and stuff so um, yeah so so we do breed in different areas uh, we breed in Spain uh, in Italy in different areas so all right so and you obviously you have to travel with your job so what are some of your favorite places that you've traveled to okay um so like i said our headquarters is in california uh so definitely going to california california is beautiful um i was just there two weeks ago yeah two weeks ago so i got to a lot of times uh if i can i try to book some personal time and stuff Mm -hmm. on trips usually on the weekends so uh, I've been to Yosemite. Uh, okay. I got to see the giant sequoia trees this last trip out there, and they were freaking huge. Um, if you want to feel small and humbled all at the same time, like pretty quick, and, and you know, just absolutely amazed, uh, I definitely recommend going to see those. Uh, I've gotten the chance to go to Gettysburg, um, you know, uh, Tulua Falls up in North Georgia, so. Yeah, you know, it's, it's awesome being able to go and, you know, see other places, but also to be able to travel to those areas and see how farming and how agriculture mm-hmm. is different in those areas. You know, there's stuff that I was used to seeing here in Florida, you know, farming-wise, and then you go somewhere else and you're like, oh, they're doing this completely different, or mm-hmm. why do they do it like this, you know? Um, so it's nice to be able to go different areas, different places, and see how they how agriculture changes yeah. and just kind of you know just how they operate mm-hmm. and yet we're all accomplishing the same goal yeah. of just growing food so alright um so <laughs> I'm just trying to think of other stuff to ask you alright so we've talked a lot about like your career and what you've done from high school to now but what are some things that you like like to do and you enjoy doing like on your personal time? Like I know, like you, apparently you do reenactments yep. or yeah. So uh, huh, hobbies. Uh, one of my biggest hobbies is uh, I'm a reenactor and living historian. That's cool. uh, I've been doing that for probably uh, eighteen, nineteen years now. Um, I got started with my uncle, um, my great uncle. Um, so basically, I portray a, a black Seminole Indian from the 1800s, um, mid 1800s, 1830s, 1840s. Uh, they were escaped slaves or runaways that uh, came from plantations in Alabama, Georgia, and they came down to Florida and joined up with the Seminole Indians here. Um, later, they would obviously they would fight with the United States government to stay here in Florida. So I do a lot of those battle reenactments, those mm-hmm. recreation of the actual battles that happened. Um, as well as I give presentations to school groups and history organizations and stuff on the history of you know, Florida during that time, but also the history of the Seminoles and the Black Seminoles. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoy doing that and, uh, you know, decked out in full regalia and, you know, 
still uh, mm-hmm. some people say you, you don't really grow out of playing Cowboys and Indians so <laughs> <laughs> just took mine to another level yeah. I guess so how did you kind of get involved with that uh, well if my uncle was here he'd tell the whole story about how uh, growing up my uncle had cows here in Groveland and I spent a lot of time with him growing up and, and my granddad as well they were brothers uh, so I spent a lot of time with them my uncle had has a room at his house that's full of nothing but old cowboy memorabilia. So we're talking Lone Ranger, Gene Autry, uh, Red Rider, Hopalong Cassidy, you name it. Um, he's got figurines and comic books and lunch boxes and you name it. He's got everything in there. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time with him watching old westerns. Um, and then growing up, he would teach me about some of the black cowboys out west. Uh, that led into learning about the Buffalo Soldiers, um, the 9th and the 10th Cavalry. That led into learning about some of the Black Indians out west, and just kind of this whole um, combination of things over time. Then eventually, we saw uh, added a newspaper um, for Dade Battlefield State Park over in Bushnell, Florida, and we went over there, had a phenomenal time watching the battle reenactment there, and people. We just kept going back year after year. Mm-hmm. Um, to after a while, some of the reenactors we got to be pretty close with. Um, some of them didn't live too far from us. Well, they were like, well, if y'all are going to keep coming back here every year, you might as well start participating and stuff too. So um, I asked my uncle if he'd help me get my first outfit made, and, and he did. And I started my first reenactment when I was 10. So... Um, yeah, I've been been doing it ever since, and I, I fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I've I've got a chance to meet a lot of great people over the years. Um, you know, I know people from around the world, from around the, the mm-hmm. country and stuff now. Um, and I've thoroughly enjoyed getting to share uh, that piece of Florida history and that piece of my own personal family history mm-hmm. and stuff too with other people. That's really cool. Um, so. I know that you're also involved with the Young Farmers and Ranchers program through the Farm Bureau. Can you tell us like a little bit what is Young Farmers and Ranchers and like what what they do? Okay, uh, so under Florida Farm Bureau, uh, you have the Young Farmers and Ranchers program, uh, which is basically a program for anybody 18 to 35. Um, the objective of that program really is to help. Uh, foster camaraderie between you know young folks that are in agriculture but also to train them to be future leaders within the ag industry but also within Farm Bureau. Uh, that's kind of you know uh, young farmers and ranchers mm-hmm. in a nutshell. Um, so like I said you know young people so kind of the best way to describe it I think is you know when you leave out of high school um, and you, you and if you still have that passion for agriculture, where do you go to next? Um, and Life and R, uh, Young Farmers and Ranchers, is a good avenue, um, is a good channel for that um, because Farm Bureau is one of the largest advocacy organizations for agriculture within the state and within the nation as well. So, um, you know, it helps to train young people to be leaders and advocates for, for the ag industry and also kind of help groom them to take all leadership roles um, from you know, whether it be on the county level uh, you know, with County Farm Bureau or you know on the state level 
But, uh, I mean, also within other organizations and stuff, too, you know, there's a lot of young farmers and ranchers uh, that are heavily involved with Farm Bureau, but they're also involved with other organizations, too, you know, whether it be the Florida, Florida Blueberry Growers Association or, you know, Florida Fruit and Vegetable Association mm-hmm. or Florida Cattlemen's, you know, yeah. uh, but Farm Bureau being that kind of umbrella advocacy organization, uh, really trying to... Uh, put into effect, you know, other leaders and stuff in those organizations as well, also with Farm Bureau. Right, and so a couple weeks ago they had their retreat or convention yep. um, over in Daytona, so can you tell us a little bit about like what they did there and what were some of the things that, um, uh, like, that they learned at the convention or the conference? Okay, yeah, so every year uh, YFNR has um, their annual conference. Um, Usually uh, in July, uh, we've we've tried. I was actually on the leadership team a few years ago, so the leadership team kind of helps try to figure out you know different avenues or where we're going to have the convention and stuff at uh, from year to year. Um, so usually the convention, um, what they'll do is usually the Friday night is kind of uh, an awards night, um, you know, a big banquet that night. Um, you usually have, you know, a motivational speaker or a keynote speaker and stuff there as well. Um, and then the rest of the weekend, usually the the Saturday and Sunday, will have different topics um, that will have, you know, speakers come in. And you can kind of pick whatever track that you want to go and listen to different speakers. So there are, there'll be, you know, a number of different speakers that might talk about business planning, um, and different things that kind of relate to that, whether you know it's talking about taxes or the farm bill or, or anything like that. Um, there'll be other tracks, you know, on advocacy, you know, social media, uh, you know, how to engage other young people, you know, getting them involved uh, with young farmers or ranchers. Um, so there's different throughout the day. There's different tracks and different guest speakers and stuff that you can go to and listen to. Um, and kind of help build your knowledge on whatever topic it is that you want to know more about. Um, and everything's you know, geared towards you know, Farm Bureau, you know, um, ag advocacy and stuff for the weekend. So it, it was a pretty good time. Um, you know, after, afterwards, you know, because <laughs> one of the biggest things that I love about this conference is it pulls together so many other young people from around the state. Mm-hmm. Um, pulls together so many young people, you know, that are young leaders within their own right, within their communities, within their their jobs, um, and you're all there together. So I mean, you know, to have that a level of energy and stuff there with each other, you know, and it rubs off on you. You know, you see other people that are doing big things and stuff, and you know, you see other people. Uh, that have a passion for it, uh, for agriculture like you do. I mean, it's hard not to come back from a conference like that and feel energized and feel good about, um, you know, what you do on a day-to-day basis. So now we've talked about farmers and ranchers, but how did you get involved with the program? Okay. Um, So I kind of knew about the program from high school, uh, or at least had heard about it um, through Farm Bureau. Uh, didn't really think about it till years later when I moved down south, um, till I was at the farm. So, you know, coming out of 
coming out of college and now at the farm, well, I still want to grow my my leadership network. Uh, you know, I don't just want to farm and you know do that every day. I still want to be involved, you know, advocating for the industry. So, how do you do that? You know, I don't have 4-H or FFA anymore. So, what is that next step? Uh, and for me, that was Farm Bureau. Um, so and then I found out about the Younger Farmers and Ranchers program. So originally, I just planned on just getting involved with Farm Bureau. Didn't really realize you know how extensive the the Y F and R program was. So um, I joined my local um, uh, county Farm Bureau, uh, which was Lee County at the time. Um, they were trying to get their Y F and R started back up. Um, so. Just kind of, just kind of everything. The pieces yeah. just kind of fell together. Yep. All right. So before we wrap up, I'm gonna. I emailed you a couple questions a okay. few, like a week or so ago. So we're just kind of gonna go through those, and that's how we'll wrap this up. So the first one we touched on it a little bit, but you kind of said at the beginning that before you got in, involved in FFA, you're exposed to that uh, part side of agriculture, yep. like you said with your uncle and with your grandpa. So, um, what were some of your favorite memories from when you were little being involved in agriculture? Okay. Um, <laughs> definitely working cows, although that can be frustrating, working cows with my uncle and my granddad at the same time in the cow pens. Uh, but, you know, I, I look back and have to laugh now at some of those memories. Uh, my granddad would grow, you know, a pretty decent sized garden that would sell stuff, uh, you know, roadside stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so that's probably some of my best memories and stuff with, with him being uh being down, you know, in the garden, whether it was helping him disc or, you know, weed or whatever else down there. Um so that was fun. Or, you know, trying to hide from the trying to hide the fact from him that I might have hit the gate with the tractor. <laughs> and, you know, stuff like that and I'm not mentioning it till later on. But anyways. Um yeah, so those those are probably some of my favorite memories, just being around them and, and seeing their passion for it, um, you know, seeing the hard work and stuff that they put into it, but the reward in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are probably some of my favorite memories. Cool. Um, so besides, like, just learning about agriculture, like learning about the basics of it, what are some life lessons or some of your favorite life lessons that you can pull from your involvement in the agriculture industry? Uh Oh man, I mean that could be a whole list of things. Uh, probably one of the biggest things is how to work with different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you this. I mean, this goes across the board. Uh, you know, when you join different organizations and stuff, there's different people of different from different walks of life, uh, different personalities, mm-hmm. uh, different communication styles. Um, and I mean, over the years, just figuring out how to deal with different people and you know how to communicate with them and deal with different personalities, um, and you know also trying to deal with the fact of inspiring people to get things done. Um, so you know, trying to be a leader by also serving and stuff too. You know, um, you know, when I was at the farm, I was probably one of, of my supervisor staff. I was probably one of the young. I was the youngest person their own staff so uh, to have the position that I did you know I'm telling guys what to do that have been here for 30 years you know but to be able to inspire them to get behind me and say hey man you know we, we need to get this done and 
without too much grumbling and stuff. So mm-hmm. you know, been able to do do stuff like that. Uh, patience with people. Um, I mean, you know, whether you're working yeah. with, uh, you know, whether you're working with your coworkers or you're trying to break a calf. I yeah. mean, you know, just patience and you know, not losing your temper and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, even when sometimes you want to. So, you know. It, this industry will teach you every emotion that's out there. This industry will will teach you that, uh, for better or for worse. So, All right. Um, and then this is gonna be the last one. So, how you kind of already touched about how your previous jobs kind of helped you with the job you had now. But can you tell us a little more about how, like FFA, and then growing up with your uncle and your grandpa working with them, how has that impacted not just like your career today, but also your life as well? Yep. Uh, you know, I think just all of those life lessons just kind of piled up on each other. Um, you know, uh, when my uncle would say, you know, don't, don't forget about people, um, you know, or, you know, people that have helped you out and stuff, you know, make sure you give them a call and stuff like that. Uh, you know, they still want to know how you are, check on them and stuff. So, uh, and I do that now, you know, um. You know, guys that helped me out when I was at the farm, you know, I still call them, check on them. Hey, man, you know, how's it going? Um, you know, FFA, just some of the, you know, going to different events and stuff, and, you know, seeing how everything operated uh, and being able to see some of those same people today, you know, as we're all adults now. now. Yeah, I mean, everything just kind of just piles up. Um, yeah, you know, life is funny, and and you just take all those little moments and, and mold them together. So, all right. Well, thank you so much for being on our kind of first episode of okay. the Growing Knowledge Podcast. I really appreciate it. Really enjoyed having you on. Um, and this is kind of where we're ended, uh, guys. Don't forget to always fertilize your mind, grow your understanding, and feed the world knowledge. I'll see you guys next week.